Welcome to Vermontitude. New episodes drop every Tuesday and can be found by going to vermontitude.com, reformer.com, or BCTV. We come to you from our studios at the Innovation Box on Flat Street. I'm Peter Fish Case, and each week I cover the topics that are of concern to Wyndham County and the towns that reside within its borders. Today we are speaking with Brattleboro Reformer reporter Bob Audette. Welcome, sir. Welcome to the program. You can say that audibly now. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Good job. All right. It's coachable, too. All right. Uh, let, let's start. Maple Valley, a lot been, there's been a lot of conversation around that. Give us the, give us the skinny. So we got a, a, an attorney, a construction law attorney, bought Maple Valley. It's been five years now. Okay. Um, now, is this, is, this the, is this the same person that started this whole thing a few years ago? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and his ideas for an event center, a mm-hmm. distillery, a brewery, renovate the lounge. The lounge is in great, uh, the, the lodge. The lodge is in great shape. I've been inside it. And okay. Needs a little bit of work, needs new lighting. And Does it smell like it's been closed up for over a decade? No, it was, it's actually pretty nice. I guess they've been taking care of it, maintaining it. All right. And uh, he needed to uh, get an Act 250 permit. This whole discussion about whether it was even Act 250 permit was even applicable because Maple Valley came into existence long before Act 250 was enacted. Okay. But there was an Act 250 permit issued in 87 to change the pitch of the lodge's roof, and that never happened. So there was a whole discussion about whether that Act 250 permit was even applicable. The judge was kind of, Judge Walsh, who's been dealing with this stuff for 40 years, was kind of hesitant to even think that it should have been before him. And uh, towards the end, you know, so I probably should back up a little bit. That's I jumped all the way to the environmental court. Where right. So they applied for the Act 250. They got their Act 250. It took 1,000 days. And uh, the commission said, yeah, you can have your Act 250, but you can't have outdoor music. And because you can't have outdoor music, you don't have to use that overflow parking lot that's on the other side of Route 30 along the river. And then we don't have to worry about the whole environmental issue of using a parking lot on the, on the river. So... Uh, the owner appealed it to the environmental court, said they've been using this parking lot for 50 years. You know, yeah, it hasn't been used a lot in the last 20 years. But if we don't, we, we've got this riparian buffer plan. We'll, we'll put in all these shrubs and bushes and stuff. And Fish and Wildlife and A&R said, nope, needs a 100-foot buffer because we want to protect the river. And if he's got a 100-foot buffer, he can't. Uh, park any cars down there. If he can't park any cars down there, he can't have 24 events a year. And he said he needs 24 events a year with about 150 people to make it financially feasible. So let, let me ask you a question now. So the the um, so the, there's been a, a few different stories here, and what I'm hearing right now from you is that that the, he can't do the events uh, for legal, state, or or county reasons, whatever. Uh, when I, I originally understood it, it was more kind of the people in the surrounding areas that were sort of killing that thing. Is no. that not, No? No, not at all. And it's okay. a state thing. The town already approved it. The town approved it like a couple of years after the property was purchased. Okay. But, uh, and he wanted to do outdoor music 24 times a year. And when uh, the act, the District 2 Commission is, a, is basically a citizen board of three people. They go around and they review Act 250 and they, use, they get help from ANR and the okay. National Resources Board. But uh, they came back and said, no, you can't have music here. That's offensive to the neighborhood. You know, it's out of character. So they said it. Yeah. Nobody they, in the neighborhood said it. 
I, after that decision came down, I went down and knocked on doors and called people. Okay. And not one of them was opposed to outdoor music. And, twice, and, and maybe and, twice a month. And there are some residences. The like, guy right next door, the closest neighbor, was yeah. like, I'd love to see this place developed. I don't have a problem. Like I said, I talked to five or six neighbors, which apparently the District 2 Commission never talked to any neighbors. Because if you don't come to the meetings and say stuff, sure. they're not going to go knock on doors. Right. They're just going to make up, they're going to make a decision. And they made a decision that seems totally arbitrary and capricious and my and that's sort of the applicants right and so when he goes to environmental court you know the judge starts from de novo he's he reviews all the evidence and he's reviewing the evidence and he said you guys need to come to a decision you guys need to reach a settlement because i'm gonna there's no reason for me to make the settlement but if you make me do it no one's gonna like it so we're now we're just waiting to see if the state and the developer reaches a settlement or if the judge comes back with a settlement, we'll see. It, it it's strange, and and I guess we're, we're, I'm I'm just gonna throw opinion in here, um, and and it seems like this is a real part, like would be a nice little economic driver for the area, a little economic boost, even 24 times a year, um, another place for people to go to gather to do things, um, and and this doesn't seem to factor in on a state level at all. Well, it should, but you would think that there needs to be a balancing act between the economy and the environment. And to be, to have something sitting there for the last twenty years, right. it's just vacant. Yep, uh, three hundred and sixty acres. They're never going to have another ski area there. Let's no. get realistic. No, Climate I mean, change. It's never going to happen again. Right. You know, and and to be opposed to it because the parking lot's on the river. Well, you know, like they brought up, it's there's development all up and down Route Thirty yep. along the river. So you're singling but, him out. And the state's like, well, we have to start somewhere. And the judge says, no, you don't have to start somewhere. So the judge is the, the judge sees sees this as a as a thing that would be good. Well, the, the judge doesn't see it that way. The judge looks at it and says, does the state have the authority to issue this Act 250, and was it arbitrary and capricious? That's okay. the decision. He's starting over from scratch and saying, I don't even know if they needed to go through this whole process. Interesting. So interesting. What's your gut? What's your gut tell you? My gut tells me is there's going to be a settlement yeah, and that that place will be open in another year or two. I hope so. It yeah. would really be good to see some some life back there. It's been just this – it was this yeah. great thing 20 years ago. Has it been closed that long? Yeah, there was a couple of attempts to do things there, but nothing ever happened in the yeah. last 20 years. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's jump to uh, – you did another um, uh, another story on, on DCF and, and families. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. They had a little celebration at Winston Prouty for foster families and asking people if they would volunteer to not necessarily just be foster families, but be temporary homes mm -hmm. or even support for foster families. So they're always looking, they're always looking for people to help out. I think there's maybe 1,300 kids in Vermont that are in the custody of DCF, which doesn't technically mean they're in custody. Right, they're right. in a foster family or they're in their own home under supervision. They might be in a kin like with grandparents, or they might be with a neighbor, like mm -hmm. which is called kith and kin, I believe, or non-kin. And they're always looking for people to help out. And, you know, you, you could be a foster for 30 days. You could be a foster for 30 years, you know. Okay. And you never know how it's going to turn out. And so that this, this whole thing was more of a drive to kind of, here, we want to celebrate those who have been doing it. We want to attract more people into mm -hmm. it. Um, the foster system is, uh, I believe it, it's, not, they're not asking anybody to do it for nothing, correct? They're just looking for people. 
No, I'm pretty sure that you get some you get reimbursement for expenses. Right, of course. Some, yeah. some sort of a stipend anyway for doing that. I mean, it is it is work, and if you can, you're feeding, you're clothing, you're transporting. Why shouldn't? Yeah. And these are children that are have been traumatized in their families. Right. So why it's hard shouldn't? Work. Why shouldn't people step up and why shouldn't they get paid to cover expenses? Exactly. All right. So, um, and uh, did, did uh, was there any other information? Like where, where can you find information to, if you're interested in doing that? Yeah, there was information in the article. Okay. You could, probably could find it also just by Googling Foster Family Department of Children and Families for more. Okay. All right. Uh, General John Stark. Yeah. That's a guy. Yeah. Got so. himself a little wife, too. Molly. Molly. We all know her on this side of the river. We all yeah. know John, General Stark, too. Um, this was kind of a pet project of Michael Abbott. He's been a representative from Hinsdale for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decided that we, you know, John, General Stark and Molly Stark, they both share Vermont and New Hampshire. Yep. And they said this is a great connection between the two states. And the brand new bridge, which yep. is hopefully be open next year, yep. is a great new connection between the two states. So General Stark. You know, he rallied, uh, he brought, before the Battle of Bennington, he was actually at the Battle of Bunker Hill, and he helped turn the tide there, even though I think we lost that one. I think so, yeah. But he helped there. Can't win them all. No. He was actually, he was actually a Rogers Rangers, which is kind of a historic thing. The Rogers Rangers were the root of the Army Rangers. Oh. But he was captured by the Abenaki, and he and his co-prisoner had to run a gauntlet, and this is according to his memoir, so right. I don't know how true it is, but supposedly he took one of the uh, tools away from one of the warriors and started beating the Indians up. And the chief was so impressed, he said, hey, you want to stay with us for the winter? <laughs> and then they released him back into the wild. <laughs> we call that an Italian Thanksgiving in my house. <laughs> and uh, so he did uh, the he rallied his troops in Bennington. The Battle of Bennington was actually in New York State. Right. And uh, I think it was General Coyne was coming down, um, and the, the idea was to separate New England from New York. Right. And he rallied his troops, and he basically said that they're the Tories. If I die tonight, Molly Stark will be a widow. Let's not let that happen, boys. So they rallied the troops, and they were able to stop the Brits, which was a precursor to the British defeat in Saratoga right. with General Burgoyne, I believe. And uh, about 30 years after the war was over, uh, General Stark was invited to a reunion of the combatants, and he couldn't make it because of ill health, and he wrote in his letter, live free or die, there's fates worse than death. And then 130 years later, it became part of that became the motto of New Hampshire. Look at you doling out the history lesson here today. Well, hey, I had to write the article. Right. And, you know, and Mike Abbott and the legislature and the governor all agreed that this was great, that there's this connection between the two states, that General Stark and this brand-new bridge, brand-new connection between the two states. Yeah, let's name it after the live free or die general. Yeah. No, it was a good – it was a good – I didn't get a chance to read the entire article as we discussed. Shame on me. So sorry. Uh, but it was uh, I, I I wanted to talk about it because I did I, I like that I like that that connection yeah. that that uh, the the twin states is, are now connected at least through that bridge and, and through and, this name. And Molly's well known on this side. Sure. I mean, we have the state park. There's Molly Stark Elementary. I mm-hmm. think is in Bennington. Yep. And Molly Stark was she opened her home. Uh, she was a nurse. They opened their home to take care of um, Revolutionary War combatants. She did a smallpox clinic. So. Yeah. She was well known on in her own right. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's nice to have. It's the the early version of uh, the uh, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez, the Benefer. <laughs> I don't know. What you- I don't know where you're going with that. No you might have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets cut What's from Vermontitude. Well, an interesting thing was I read that Molly Stark, I think her, her maiden name was Elizabeth Page. She was a daughter of Puritans. Oh. So. I did not know that either. I didn't either. know that either. Yeah. But just a little interesting tidbit to throw in there that I learned. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we like to learn. Uh, anything we're working on that uh, is, is worthy of, uh, of early release? Um. No, I mean, there's a few things I'm working on. I'm not ready to share anything. Okay, right that's now. fair enough. Well, Bob Odette, it's been a while, so thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on Vermontitude again. Thank you. And thanks for watching. Keep it up. <laughs> that was a good, authentic looking smile. Thank you, sir. <laughs>